up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 88 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games and news and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Peter Messi, joined by the editor with the heart of gold, Mr. Robert Thompson. Uh, I don't have anything witty today because I don't feel He's good. He's so Sorry. sick, you guys. He's all <laughs> snuggled up in like a zebra striped blankie. I've never seen him look so pathetic. I'm really sick. <laughs> <laughs> but you made it, and that's what's important. Uh, also joining us today is the Guildmaster himself, Mr. Sean Bartley. Hello, hello. So, Andy, what, what's the what's the bit this week? Andy's dead? Is he concussed again? What's going he's on? He's concussed, yeah. He's concussed. He's... Anytime Andy misses the show, he's concussed. He falls down a lot of stairs. <laughs> it's crazy. So, uh, while Andy's on the mend, we've got a pretty packed show for you this week. A couple really big and exciting pieces of news to chew on. But before that... I had to kick it to my man Sean for a little a little bit of our own news. Right. So you guys will recall over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about a challenge that was uh, put forth by the Long Box um, towards us, specifically Matt Murphy suggesting that he could beat me in Smash Brothers. Uh, now, why anybody took this seriously, I don't know. But I decided that I was going to put all of the feuding between our shows to rest by simply kicking his ass. <laughs> and so we did it. We did it last weekend. And the video is going to be up this week. Um, there wasn't just Matt and I. That was the main event. But we also had a, a battle for supremacy between the shows that involved Pete and Marco. And, of course, Matt and Tyler. Uh, it was decided that I was a little uh, too OP for that. So I sat, <laughs> and sat it out. Um, Had the Bush Leagues go, you know, <laughs> play against each other. But uh, it's it's really, really good stuff. And I can't wait for you guys to be able to see the hijinks. I can't wait for you, you to be able to see the battle between, well, um, you know, the best Smash player you know, and a guy who picked up a controller and you know, <laughs> oh, that's, could press. A did few you have to pay for uh, the hospital bills? Uh, well, this was this was a a, a digital beatdown, you know, rather oh, okay. than a physical all right. beatdown. Well, then the therapy he's going to need the, from all the emo- emotional. Yeah, whooping. the emotional beating is really where I think it, it's going to take its biggest toll. Yeah, I mean, if you, you know, I'm not promoting their show, but if you listen to the first few minutes of the long, <clears throat> the long box, you'll hear Matt sounds like a broken man. Wow. I think I think my favorite <laughs> thing was that uh, right afterwards, I remember he he took to social media and he just posted this picture from an anime that said, "I guess I really am trash, aren't I?" It's like, <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's real when it's an anime screen cap. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm just glad to see him finally put put in his place, you know. <coughs> wow, Pete, I I was more than happy to be the one to get that done. Also, I'm just really coming. glad that you know we as a podcast, but more importantly, you as a man, Sean, can walk into 2019 with a clean slate, with your enemies vanquished, with that big dick energy that that everybody needs for a good year. All my enemies are destroyed. Uh, over on the long, or excuse me, over on the comics, pals. Uh, Kale has been decimated. 
Uh, it is the year of crappy on kale, which works great for me. You mean number uh, five? You're right, number five. Uh, and of course, the long box. I mean, particularly Matt. Tyler's great. Matt, you know, I I, I had a I had to put him in his place, and I'm very happy to say that uh, 2019 looks like the year of me. Can we just like? Can we just headhunt Tyler already? Every time we talk shit about the long box, we're like, we like Tyler. We like Tyler. We've had him on this show a couple times. He's great. I say we just let's just end the long box. Bring Tyler on full time. You know. Sounds good to me. Extend the offer. He could move up in the world. It'll be like the time that Cena moved over to Raw, you know? It's a fan favorite coming to the better product. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with Dude. that. Who Fucking Pete pulling out a wrestling reference. Honestly, honestly, the entire time I was making that reference, I felt like I was walking on a tightrope. I was like, I feel like this is correct to say, but who knows? <laughs> so, Tyler, I'm speaking directly to you now as a, as a fellow uh, fan of wrestling. What we're doing now is we're extending the NWO t-shirt to you. We've come out in the ring. We've got the shirt. It's got your name on the back. Do you want to come out and accept it? That's the question. It's up to you if you want to make the jump to the big leagues now. <laughs> that's right. But that's enough of that. You know, if you want to if you want to watch the Longbox boys get trounced or lick their wounds, you can check out that video and uh I don't know. I mean, I guess go go send your condolences to Tyler for the death of his good friend, Matt. But with that, I guess that means it's time for... The news! The news! We talking about the news! The news! The news! We talking about the news! All right. So we've got five items on the news list this week. Six if you count our meat and potatoes intro. Uh, and, you know, last week I came at you guys hot. With the news that Soldier Boy had to boss up, so I really, <laughs> I felt the pressure this week. You know how how could I live up to that incredible piece of news? Thankfully, Thompson dropped a little gem in our, uh, our our news bank this week. There is a man named Chris G who desperately needs your help to get Skeletor in Mortal Kombat. Over at Change.org, his petition currently has only 121 signatures. But I think with our help, he could reach his goal of 200 signatures to get Skeletor in Mortal Kombat. So I think we got to – we got those are rookie numbers. We got to bump this up to 200,000K signatures. So uh, this is, I'm setting up the, the Skeletor signal here. I want all of you. That includes <laughs> you, Sean, because I know Thompson and I already signed this petition. Get in there. Cast your vote. Let's make the shit happen. Oh, I'm definitely not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. You don't want to make Thompson well, happy? No. <laughs> want to make Chris G happy? <laughs> I don't want to make Chris G happy either, quite frankly. Honestly, like I'm really surprised this even made it onto the list, and I found it like I don't know where I even found this, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Yeah, I want that. I really would love that." So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Chris G, like I am a fan of Skeletor. Let's make it happen. You see, the reason this made it to the news list is that you know. It's so infrequent that I get to talk about your niche-ass interests. So sometimes when you throw me something like this, I'm like, i got to throw him a bone. This is good. We're kicking it off this week. This is the leading news. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm, I'm quite frankly astounded that it even was number one or even here at all. But thank how, you so how much. How could you even compare this to the Soldier Boy news? This is like, come on. 
That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> it's cool news, but like, damn, Pete, that's a high Doug, bar to pass. I'm doing the best I can out here. It's, it's not every day that you get the level of news of Soldier Boy having to boss up. That's true. That's true. Tough. Fair enough. Yeah. So help yeah. out your boy Thompson. Help out our boy Chris G. Go <laughs> click the link in the description down below and cast your vote. Uh, Ed Boone seems like a nice guy, but I bet he'll do it. That ain't gonna happen. <laughs> uh, all right, so moving right along, the original Pokemon movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, is apparently getting a CGI remake. So on uh, New Year's Day, the teaser trailer dropped for it. Uh, it's you know this is just around the 20th anniversary of the original film. If you guys remember, you know that was like the first theatrically re- released Pokemon movie back in 1998. We all went, we all got our free Pokemon cards. It was a magical time, and now it seems like they want to uh, kind of recapture some of that magic right around the 20th anniversary. So apparently the film is set to debut in Japan on July 20th with uh, 20th, excuse me, July 12th, which means we'll probably get it either later that year or early next year. Uh, but what do you guys make of this? What did you think about the teaser? I loved it. Uh, there's a lot of people who are complaining about, you know, <clears throat> the fact that it doesn't look like what it looked like 20 years ago. Uh, if you watch it, obviously it is CG. Um, I, I think it looks absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I think a lot of people are looking at this with their nostalgia goggles, um, which is fine. You know, the only reason they're releasing this is nostalgia, but you can't tell me that Mewtwo doesn't look awesome in this trailer. I just, I, I am buying it. This is fantastic. And if it had released this way in 98, which of course wasn't going to happen because the technology wasn't available, nobody would be saying that it looks bad. It's fair. Yeah. Um, really, like, the nostalgia part of it is is interesting because, like, obviously it's being made because everyone cares about it. So, like, it'll never, ever, if even if they decided to animate it, like, scene for scene the same way as the old one, it'd never be the same thing and people will complain about it. So I, I think it's actually a smart move to just straight up say, like, fuck it, we're going to CGI. You know, we're going to make it look beautiful. It's one of your favorite stories. It's the first one that was released 20 years later. Everything about it sounds great. The trailer or the teaser was really cool. I mean, honestly, like, there's nothing bad about this in my eyes, so... I'm excited. It's Pokemon. What could be wrong? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I was really confused by all the backlash. Like, even the the Polygon article that we linked to down below, uh, like, has some editorializing where they're like, hmm, Mewtwo looks weird. I don't know about this. Like, you know, we'll have to reserve judgment. I, I don't really see any problem with it. I think it looks a lot like the way Mewtwo looks in, like, any 3D realization of the character we've seen before you know i didn't think he looked weird at all yeah i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know maybe it's because i've seen mewtwo for 20 something years straight <laughs> like it's different but it's a cgi version of mewtwo like that's what we were signing up for right so like i don't know like i don't know what about this is throwing people off but for me i think it looks fine uh i'm certainly i don't have any negative concerns about it i think it's more we just have to see what else is going to come out because we also had that movie you know, Pokemon I Choose You or whatever last year that was like a reimagining of the original season of the show and like that sounded like a great idea and then it wasn't anything like that at all and it had all this weird shit to do with Ho-Oh and like 
weird legacy and like Pikachu dies and then speaks English and it was weird. So wow, I what the hell is that? Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, I don't know what it's you're on, talking about. It's on about, Netflix so now. We, we should watch it and do a review because it's apparently ridiculous. Um, Have you seen it? I, I haven't seen the entire movie in context, but I've seen the scenes that people were like, what the fuck is this? Because, like, they were circling around the web. And I, I missed it while I was in theaters, and this is, like, the first time it's really been, like, widely accessible since then. Because it only came out, like, last summer. Huh. But either way, so I, I think if the script is the same and it's just a CGI overhaul, that sounds great. Yeah, we can get that beautiful song at the end, too, where they're all fighting each other. Brother to brother, tell me what you're fighting for. <laughs> Dude, that... Yeah, I want, like, a 20-year uh, upgraded version of that song, too. <laughs> that soundtrack is one of the best soundtracks to any movie. Dude, I, the, the original season it. of Pokemon and that soundtrack are both fire. Hey, you know the, the To Be A Master soundtrack that they did for the original season of the anime? Yep. That is one of the best, the best, like, licensed soundtracks I've ever heard. Every song is about Pokemon, and they're all good. (laughs) I remember, I think it's on some of the Lost episodes we shot for Mario Odyssey. I, like, sang half of that album during that Let's Play series. certainly did. (laughs) No wonder it was Lost. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, it was good. Thompson was impressed. I don't know if it's one of the... Yeah, no. I... Pete, I remember you going down that, like, one lyric, and I'm like, cool, that's fun. And then you just kept going, and then you're like, wait, I got more. And you started doing other songs, and I'm just sitting there, like, mesmerized. I, I think it's on one of the episodes that actually aired. I sang the, the On the Road to Viridian City, and I was, like, just joking, and I, I went to go hit the high note, and I hit it perfectly, and Thompson's like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, so no, good. you actually nailed it. So good. Like, you fucking nailed it. Listen, so I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about this, but I think the real question is, you know, Detective Pikachu coming stateside on May 9th. What are you more excited for? Which one? Uh, oh, this. For me, it's still got to be Detective Pikachu. That's a really tough question for me now, because, like, I had zero hype for T- Detective Pikachu. And, like, holy shit, am I interested in this movie now? I know I'm going to love Mewtwo Strikes Back. I love the first one. But because I've already seen it, I guess I'm more excited for Detective Pikachu. I guess. I don't know. Like, feel, it's hard, man. I feel like there's less room for me to be disappointed with Detective Pikachu because I don't really have any expectations. Whereas this, like, I have the nostalgia and, like, yeah, yeah. I remember all the big beats and how they worked. And, like, if they don't get it right, I think there's going to be more nitpicking going on. Whereas I think Detective Pikachu, like, is going to be more a thing of all right, cool, like, let's go into this with an open mind and see how I feel about it, you know? Yeah, I'm in it for the ride on that one. Yeah. And, uh... I'm excited for I this. Definitely... I definitely... Think, I think this has a real shot of being good. Yeah, well, it better be. I mean, it's Pokemon, and it's Mewtwo, so, like, those two things. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But, Sean, you're high on this one. Oh, yeah, I, I think this is... I think this is awesome. Uh, I, I mean, that movie... That movie has such a huge impact on basically everyone I know, you know, in, in our generation. And um, I'm going to be in that theater and I'm going to have my popcorn and I'm going to feel like I'm eight years old again and I cannot wait for that experience. I really hope they reprint those original Pokemon cards that they gave out with your tickets. You remember that? Oh, yeah. 
I, I hope they don't, because that'll devalue the ones I got. Right? <laughs> well, they could do like the same Pokemon with like new art or something. No, no. you know. Yeah, that would be fucking cool, though. I, I, I really hope they do something neat with that. That would be fucking fantastic. It would really recapture that that feeling of twenty years ago. I just really hope it's like a shot for shot kind of thing, like with the same voices and everything, because that I think is going to be the biggest thing where they could lose me. Is like I really don't want the new anime voice actors. Like I want the OG voice track just with cgi <laughs> oh right i didn't even think about the voices yeah, yeah like all those people are going to be different <clears throat> oh we'll let them pass i'm out <laughs> what could what would be an acceptable uh mewtwo voice for you guys the original mewtwo voice i mean like if you couldn't have it though like nothing or uh, Danny nothing. DeVito. i don't know <laughs> no, you can't that's mine <laughs> fine well Pick something like, I don't know the, I don't know Sylvester Stallone. We'll give somebody a gritty voice and make Mewtwo. James <laughs> Earl Sylvester Jones. Stallone as Mewtwo. I don't know. I don't know. He thinks in his head most of the time. He doesn't have to speak too much. He could just do his like you know. Uh, hey, Mewtwo. Adrian, yeah. what are we gonna do about all these clone Pokemon? He's gonna be saying Ash, this not is Adrian. Horrible. <laughs> All right, we'll all right, all right. Of- Before Sean has has a breakdown, we'll move along. He's not hype about much, so let's. <laughs> so uh, next up, several of Hearthstone's former top developers are working on a game for Marvel. So this one comes from uh, what an actual real video game journalist looks like, Jason Schreier over Kotaku, and uh, he had this to say. Former Hearthstone director Ben Brode and a group of his colleagues left Blizzard last year, and although they haven't announced what they're making next, today they dropped some big news. It's a Marvel game. Second Dinner, a new indie studio founded by Brode, or Brody, I don't know, former Hearthstone executive producer Hamilton Chu and others and several other ex-Blizzard employees announced today that it's gotten a $30 million investment from the Chinese company NetEase and that its first game will be set in the Marvel Universe. The company is hiring new staff in Irvine, California. This news comes uh, after a rough 2018 for Blizzard, one that saw the departure of not just Brody and Chu, but its CEO Mike Morahame, who left the company last October. And then also they lost their CFO and then lost another CFO this week, so been a rough rough bit of time uh for them but you know we're here to talk about this new team second dinner and uh and the news that they might be working or that they are working on a new marvel game and i'm interested to hear from you blizz boys as to a what you think about this news and and b what what do you hope this game looks like it's hard to imagine it could be anything other than a card game because that's where I mean, that's where their bread and butter was, right? Um, that doesn't mean it has to be, of course. I don't know what other kinds of games any of them have ever worked on, but they worked on Hearthstone for a really long time. So, uh, if it is a card game, that's really, 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 really cool. Because I thought I, would, I thought you might be down for that. <clears throat> I would love to play. A card game based around Marvel or DC, for that matter. Um, but I just, I just think that this has huge potential because even though there are some elements of her, I don't play Hearthstone anymore. I stopped because it was too, there was too much uh, randomness. But I don't know how much of that was the decisions of Ben Brode and of you know the core Hearthstone team. So I'm interested in seeing what they can accomplish uh, without the overhead of Blizzard and 
whatever directives Blizzard may have given them that could have impacted the game positively or negatively. We don't know. So this is really, really, really cool. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I don't think that just because they were working at Blizzard that they're destined for success. Like, I remember times where, like, back in the past, Hellgate London was a good example. They, a few Blizzard employees had been gone, and they're like, hey, we, we make this game, and guess what? It's shit. So, that's happened before. A card game, however, though, I love fucking card games. I, I love every card game. I play all of them. I never shut up about Elder Scrolls Legends to this day. I mean, it, I play dumb games on my phone for card things, so, like, Hearthstone, I don't play it anymore, but it, it's definitely one of my favorite games that's ever been made. And if they can put something on that spin with Marvel, I love Marvel too. Um, I think for the two of them together, honestly, like they're working with gold right there. Cause like you could say like we're former Blizzard employees, if we know, what we're, you know, if we get this work right and we know what we're doing, um, you've already got fans for that reason alone. Marvel, you've already got fans for that. Yup. And as far as like marketing goes, it's already sold itself. So all they need to do is just provide something that's an enjoyable experience, which I can't see being that hard. But like, I have seen a few things in the past where it just hasn't worked out just because they were, um, you know, they worked under Blizzard and they had the pedigree. Didn't mean that it worked out. And for whatever reason, like, I don't really remember why Hellgate London was like as bad as it was. Like, I remember being incredibly hyped for it and then just playing it and like, oh, this is shit. And the game got panned too. So it could, you know, it could, it could always have an upset like that, but I, I like to retain hope for these kinds of things and especially love card games. So like, please give me a new card game. Like, Marvel card game would be fun. Um, you could even, like, there's there a PlayStation 2 game I played. I don't remember exactly how it works, but there was, it was kind of like Diablo clone, but it had cards involved too. So your attacks were all card-based things, and you would, okay, like, yeah, build yeah. your deck as you went through the levels. Second, so, like, you could always do something like that. The second Kingdom Hearts game is like that, Chain of Memories. That was the one on the Game Boy Advance. It was, like, a deck-building action game. Okay, yeah. So you, you could always do, um, you know, anything like that. I feel like they're these people have their their hands in that system really well. So uh, it would benefit them to work off of that, but they could have worked on something else. I don't know about it's just Hearthstone. Obviously is like what we know them for right now. So that takes me into our random question of the week. So we've danced around the idea of, of them making like a Hearthstone style card game, right? I think that seems like a pretty safe bet that it'll be some sort of, even if it's not card, like some sort of more like puzzly kind of game like that. So my question is, what what would you want to see them do? Like, do you want to just see like a Marvel Universe card game? Do you want to see them take on like a more specific element of the Marvel Universe? Like one specific, you know, like the X-Men or, you know, something like that. Like, or, or would you rather see it be something broader? Hmm. Like, yeah, what, Marvel, what, what shape would you want to see it take? A Marvel card game <clears throat> that features all the characters we know and love. And just, like, yeah, honestly, standard, like, Hearthstone, like, you got life, you're, you're playing, mon- like, you know, Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh! style, like, character versus character? When I, th- when I think of Marvel games I want, I always think back to Ultimate Alliance, and... I know that, like, that is pretty much sailed. So, like, something close to that. I mean, Ultimate Alliance 3 is coming. Yeah, but that's <laughs> what I mean. Like, it's already coming. So, like, they're not going to make that. You know what I mean? Sure. So then 
really going back to the card game thing, like I really do love card games. So anything with that would be fun. Like I, I don't know what it is, man. Like I'm not into, um, you know, skins for, for games and stuff, but like collecting packs and opening cards, even if I don't use them, I love that shit. So it feeds the itch and, uh, you know, and, and like, I haven't really thought of like a Marvel card game before. And the universe is so massive that you could just, you know, you could shove a million characters in there and still have room to play. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I was really into a card game that was called, it's a card and dice game. It was called dice masters and the original set was all Marvel characters. And I loved that game. So I remember you showing me that and it was fun. Uh, I I would love a a deck building style game like that and like it could be either or like it could be a like more Magic the Gathering Hearthstone style thing where you have a deck of cards and you're drawing from it and it's just about like creating uh creating a scenario where you have multiple win conditions and pulling them quicker or it could be like a more deck building game where you're like like more like Dice Masters, like Munchkin or something, where there's like a deck of cards and you're drawing stuff to build your deck to keep playing, and like either or, I think would be really really fun. And like obviously, you have such a wide cast of characters with Marvel, and you could easily set up, you know, like different character archetypes and stuff like that instead of like colors and all that sorts of stuff. You know, it, it's it lends oh, yeah. itself to that sort of game so easily. There's already yeah, a yeah. game like that. It's called Legendary, and it. You, you have Marvel characters, and it's a deck-building game for multiple human players to play against, you know, an, a, the enemy, which is not, it's not controlled by anyone. You just do actions for for the opposing team, and you're supposed to work together to win the game. Okay. I, I play it all the time, actually. Um, but uh, it's a physical game. But I don't think that they would make another game in that vein simply because it already exists um but yeah i I think you're probably right sean like it's going to be interesting to see what shape this really takes because there are already a couple games out there (coughs) like this you know and how it's going to differentiate itself and if it's gonna be the one that breaks out is going to be interesting to see well versus was a marvel and DC card game that existed in the mid-2000s, early mid-2000s, that a lot of people really loved, and a lot of people have wanted back for a really long time. In fact, there are people who still play it. Well, I think they rebooted it, but it's not the same. Um, But there are people who still play the original version. And I think a card game that features Marvel characters is something that people would really jump on. I mean, the card game industry is dominated by... Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, and Pokemon. <clears throat> Dragon Ball Super is the newest card game, and it's extremely exciting and fun. I play that. It's really, really good. Uh, card games that have recognizable IP have a great chance to succeed in that space. And digital card games are the new wave. So I don't see why, if Marvel is trying to you know, expand their portfolio and make the maximum dollar in the video game world, off of their established characters that they wouldn't jump into that scene too and try to dominate it. Yeah, that seems like an easy win for, like, a a game that would be successful in the mobile space, you know? Because, like, obviously all the announcements that have come out of Marvel games, like, for the most part, have have trended more towards, like, AAA games, like Spider-Man from Insomniac and, you know, the Avengers game that's being worked on by Crystal Dynamics and, um... One of the other Square Studios. I don't, oh, Eidos. 
and uh, and then you know we have Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Like there there have been a lot of game announcements like that. Whereas I think we've only gotten like maybe one mobile game throughout this whole new initiative. It's that one that you play, right, Sean? The uh... Oh, uh, Marvel Strike Force. But that's yeah. actually, that's prior to the new. Oh, okay. So that's not yeah. the newer one. So maybe they announced the newer one. I don't really remember. Mobile games are not really my thing. But this seems like a good way to get a game that is like both. You know, like a game that works on mobile, but you could also put it on like, quote unquote, real devices. Yep. And have that same kind of uh, interactivity that you saw work for Hearthstone. So big news. Absolutely. Very exciting. I think it's exciting for them as a team, too. You know, like Second Dinner's like first game out of the gate being a Marvel title is like big news for them. You know, gives them a real opportunity to like have their first game be a big hit, you know. So that's cool. Uh, so moving right along, we've got an article here from uh, comicbook.com by uh, Lily Rupert, who basically builds on this news and pushes forth the idea that the game that they're working on might actually be a game about the Fantastic Four. So let's hear what she has to say. Just yesterday, we reported that the team over at Second Diner, or is it Diner or Dinner? That's a typo. It's Second Dinner. Uh, Over at Second Dinner, made up of several ex-Blizzard developers, was heading a new Marvel game. Today, Marvel have made a critical change to their social media page that seems to be hinting at what that mysterious game could be, and it looks like it could be about the Fantastic Four. Check out the new profile image seen on Marvel Games' Twitter account, which we've linked to down below. Uh, there's a, a image in the uh, the article that we've linked to, but if you know you just want me to describe it for you, it's a mar- it's a Marvel Games logo, right? It's got the OG Marvel logo underneath it. It says Games, but the A is replaced with a four. Uh, so whether this is okay. tied to the second dinner project or not remains to be seen, but with the Fantastic Four World's Greatest Week coming up, there's a big chance that this could be tied to that celebration instead. Or perhaps the two intertwine and second dinner will reveal the big, their big project during this timed event. This is um, this is uh, sort of clickbait, I think, because... Um, this likely has a lot more to do <clears throat> with um, the the celebration that they're referencing than whatever second dinner is working on. Yeah, I think I think it kind of seems that way too. Uh, just because, <laughs> like, it, like, yeah, it, it's the timing is interesting. Like, I can understand why you would put speculation into it, but. Yeah, I I think that to me this seems more like a across the board branding thing than it does like a nod to specifically what Second Dinner is working on. Right, and to say Marvel is teasing a possible Fantastic Four video game that's just not uh, that you you're you're trying too hard. I think. Yeah, you're you're you you want to you want to get that buzz going. Yeah. You know. And if you're right, then you look like a genius. And if not, you're like, well, uh, we didn't say that it was happening, you know? Yeah, exactly. But I did <laughs> see this making the rounds, and I thought it was interesting. Um, go well, ahead, Well, I, I guess there's no reason not to not to play the game and see if, you know, sort of speculate on what that would be or what that could mean, uh, I guess. So, um, for me, 
Do I have an interest in a Fantastic Four game? Yes, I do. <clears throat> but not in the same world where Ultimate Alliance 3 is coming out. That seems redundant. Now, you know, a fair argument would be, well, there's an Avengers game coming out. But I kind of think that that... Because there, there is that other Avengers game that's being developed... Yeah. Yeah, that's Still. the one uh, that I mentioned. That's Idos and and it's the like the Tomb Raider <clears throat> team, basically. Right, exactly. Uh, I don't know what that what shape that game is going to take, but for there to be three games that are sort of in that that similar space where it's a team game and it's you know whatever that seems a little weird. Uh, if it's a Fantastic Four card game, why is it not a Marvel card game? Right. Um, it just doesn't seem like. There's a need for a Fantastic Four specific video game right this second, unless it's presented like a way out, which would be really cool, but doesn't seem like it's within the scope of what Second Dinner is likely working on. Yeah, it's tough to say because like with the with the knowledge that <coughs> Second Dinner is, you know, most famous for working on Hearthstone, our mind immediately goes to card game. But like you said before, it's not impossible that they could be working on something else. But I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with uh, with your assessment that like it's the wrong time for a Fantastic Four game. I didn't say that. I'm sorry. You were saying that like it, it doesn't feel like it makes sense right now? Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, to me, like, I feel like if the pitch is good, that's really all that matters. You know? Because, like, I, I feel like... <coughs> The weirdly enough, the time was right for a Spider-Man game this year because there's a lot of other like good Spider-Man shit, and it, it it amounted to a good year for Spider-Man. Whereas, like, I feel like with the Fantastic Four like being relevant again on some level, where they're like they're back in the Marvel comics and like they're gonna be you know showing up in all the games again and everything like that. If there's somebody out there who's got a good pitch for a Fantastic Four game, like I'm all for seeing it. You know, I I, I don't I don't feel like there's a wrong time for a good pitch for any video game. I mean, duh. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. of course. And any time you can get a great game, you get a great game. What I'm saying is that <clears throat> from the perspective of what it appears that Marvel is trying to do, they've got an Avengers game, they've got Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, and then a Fantastic Four game, right? Like, in this, you know, world Potential, that we're... Yeah. Yeah. What is different enough about the Fantastic Four game that it needs to exist on shelves, you know, a lot within the same within a few years of, or you know, within a couple of years of an Avengers game and an Ultimate Alliance game? And if it is a card game, why is it not a Marvel card game? What makes it different enough is what I'm saying. Yeah, I I definitely don't think it's a Fantastic Four only <clears throat> card game. That seems kind of crazy to me. But I think what you're saying about like the whole open world like superhero thing of it all it's going to be an interesting question to see how that actually how that question is answered because i think on some level it's going to solve itself because they're not all being made by the same teams because it's like at the end of the day like how different is the (coughs) avengers game going to be from insomniac spider-man game like probably not that much but i feel like the fact that it's made by a different team and that there are different characters and different locales like will hopefully be enough to and like they'll be spaced out enough you know that like people well, want to keep coming back for more well the, the, but that's that's a to me that's a very different thing so spider-man is a singular character yes you get to play as like 
you know, a couple other people, but yeah, that's but like it's not Spider-Man. It's, it's a Spider-Man game. Whereas, from what I have heard, and I don't know if I don't know what's true and false about the Avengers game, it sounds like it's going to be more akin to a game where like you have to play as different characters at different points in time, yeah, to accomplish certain goals. And I think it's supposed to be first person. And it's supposed to be first person. So. That's a completely different idea than what Marvel Spider Man is. It's probably also more on the rails. That that's what that sounds like to me. So I feel like that's a completely different pitch. Now, yeah, there could be a Fantastic Four pitch that's different than that, and that's different than Spider Man, and that's different than Ultimate Alliance Three. What I'm saying is that I want to hear what that is. Yeah, because that's that's crazy. That's off the wall compared to everything else that we've ever heard. Yeah, and it would be interesting, I have to say, because that, that, that feels like a... <coughs> I, as much as I, I like pushed back on the point you made, it would be weird for it to be the the evolution of like, okay, these are the IP we're working on. Spider-Man, Avengers, Fantastic Four. You know? You're going from biggest IP, arguably tied for biggest IP now with Avengers, and then like... I feel like the next logical step in my mind is like X-Men or something, you know? But who knows? If if somebody had the pitch for Fantastic Four, you know, I, it doesn't seem like Marvel's in the business of turning away good ideas right now. Like, it seems like they're very much like just trying to be like, yo, like, if you're one of the best game developers in the world, we're interested in hearing your pitch. So we'll see. But uh, that event that we mentioned before, the world's greatest week for Fantastic Four, is uh, actually starting this week. So it's going to be from Tuesday the 8th, which is the day that this drops, to uh, the 16th next uh, Wednesday. So if uh, there is a Fantastic Four game on the way, we, we should know by next week. So, uh, moving right along, we've got uh, some industry analysts predicting some big announcements coming in 2019. This all comes from an article that GamesIndustry.biz did, where uh, there are predictions from a couple of like the biggest names and predictions, like Matt Piscatella from the MBD group or MPD group, excuse me. Uh, so, who we've mentioned a couple times on the show. I don't want to get into all of these. Uh, but it is a really interesting article, and they also have their, like, last year's predictions and, like, which things that they got correct and which things they got wrong. So uh, if you want to go check that stuff out uh, and, and see how they did and have that inform the stuff we're going to talk about, you know, I would, I would highly recommend doing so. We've linked to it down below. But there were two specific game announcements that I thought were really interesting that I wanted to, uh, to call to the forefront. So the first of which is uh, that there is a – okay. So this one comes from um, – oh, yeah. Okay. So this one comes from uh, Michael Patcher from Wedbush Securities. And uh, his most interesting take, I thought, was, I think we'll hear about a new Bioshock game and a new title from Rockstar, both for 2020. It would be cheating to say that the company will announce Borderlands since it will probably happen before this article is published. Huh. So uh, the idea of a new Bioshock game. Yeah, that's tricky, man. I don't know. <laughs> I fucking love Bioshock. I would kill for it, but I don't think that that's gonna happen. I mean, anytime soon. I don't know, dude. Like, uh, the last Bioshock came out in 2013, 
2K has made it very clear that they planned on continuing Bioshock after Ken Levine left. So we're talking we just, seven We years. haven't heard anything yeah. about it for so long that I thought maybe, you know, the one reason I'm skeptical is I think something would have leaked at this point that like, hey, there's people even higher toward an unknown project or anything. Well, if you remember, uh, I believe we actually talked about this earlier this year or last year. Uh, there were rumblings about a project called Project Parkside. Which is supposed right, to be a Bioshock right. game that was going to be worked on by Hangar 13. So, uh, well, hey, they had enough time to maybe get a little teaser going then. But then it. there was like Hangar 13 got hit with all of those like layoffs and everything. Right. right. So, uh, and then there was a rumor in November that Obsidian was going to be taking it over, but like then that was kind of debunked because of people found out it was actually Outer Worlds. Right. So at this point, it's interesting to see because we know that they've talked about it. We know that there's plans for a new Bioshock, but will they actually reveal it? That's an interesting question. We might get something like, oh, it's being worked on, but I don't think we're going to see it in 2020. I don't think that from from what I've been hearing, it's like if they even had it been worked on, there was layoffs and then there's it's just weirdness after weirdness with this thing. So how much could they have gotten like done solidified you know unless they've been working on it for a really long time in the shadows and we just didn't know i mean that happens but i don't know man i'm skeptical about a bioshock release because those games are very dear to me and i don't think that they just pump them out because they want to make a new one like all of a sudden like i know that like fitting with the continuity of the series is going to be easier after the last one too so like that helps for them i've Man, I just can't see it happening this soon. I know I know it's been a long time, but I can't see it happening next year. I, I have no reason not to believe that this is, like, imminent. Just really? Be- yeah, just because seven years is a long time. Bioshock is a brand that, you know, has made money, you know, big money, and you always want to keep those brands circulating. <clears throat> circulating. Ken Levine not being involved gives me cause to pause as a gamer but I would if I were if I were in charge and making decisions would I want a Bioshock game out whether Ken Levine was involved or not yes so uh, this doesn't surprise me at all in fact I think any person who reasonably looks at this stuff would say yeah that's probably gonna happen I mean I don't doubt we're gonna get a Bioshock game I just don't think we're gonna get it this early I'd I don't know. Do you really feel like it's early, though, dude? Seven years? No, right, no, that yeah. is a long time. I mean, as far as the development goes, we haven't heard shit about it. And the other thing was Hangar 13's thing, which, if it ends with, you know, layoffs and stuff, like, I don't really know how much they could have gotten done. But maybe I'm just thinking that they're going to put too much time into it or whatever. I don't know. Like, it, it's entirely possible. I just, I'm very skeptical for some reason on this one. I don't know why. I just, I feel this, uh, an air of skepticism about this timing. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm with Sean on this one. I, I think there's a real chance that this one happens. I think whether I, – I, I think an announcement for it and it coming in 2020 feels like that makes sense to me. I feel like that – It would be great. It could be this – I'd love it. could it. be the same kind of rollout we saw for a game like Fallout 4 where it's like we yeah, didn't hear sure. about it for years and then it was like there was rumblings and then all of a sudden, hey, it's coming. It's out in six months. You know, We do live in a post-Fallout 4 world. So <laughs> – so. That is possible. I think I. I like it to be true. I think there's a real shot with that one. Uh, so 
Then there was one other one uh, that Michael guessed that I thought was interesting, but I think is a lot less likely. Uh, he says, Elder Scrolls Six is coming in 2019. The flop of Fallout 76 makes a hit more essential for Bethesda, and I expect them to accelerate development on Elder Scrolls Six. And then he points out this was also his prediction from 2016 and 2017, and he was wrong both times on those, obviously. So I that's one where I've got so much more pushback on that because I think it seems that seems impossible to me because when we talked like when Pete Hines talked about it he said that the game was years away and I think the idea that they're going to move it up years early because Fallout 76 didn't well didn't do well of like hey this game was felt rushed and buggy and we put it out and people hated it let's rush our biggest IP and, and force that out and have it come out years too early no way it doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, they're probably going to accelerate development, but I don't think that's going to change the timetable. Like, they'll put more ass or more people to it, more assets and everything they can into it. I mean, the the Elder Scrolls Online exists still, and it has updates and like it sells. You know what I mean? There's no need for them to like jump the gun on that series yet. Like, they have one out. People still play Skyrim. I mean, they're they're not gonna like. I, I agree with you. I don't think they're gonna just be stupid and push a game out because they the last game didn't do as good as they wanted yeah you know like just there's, there's no way so even though i i actually do agree with what you guys are saying i i do want to say that i feel <clears throat> i feel like their their moves recently make me at least slightly just slightly not fully just a little bit willing to believe that dumb decisions aren't in the past for them Sure. Oh, I agree with you. They have not made good decisions on top of not making good decisions and then did it like twice over again. So if if we were talking about a game that was further along in development, I would say I agree with this. The problem that I have is that you physically can't go from saying something is years away to oh, it's coming out right now. You know, yeah. like there's not enough time. But would they do it? I don't put it past them after Fallout It's possible. Yeah, it's possible, and they've the, and just not even the way they handled the game, but like just all the other stuff around it, they've just made terrible decisions. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if it was going to come out this year, like I, we don't even know where it's taking place, really. I mean, it would have to come out like December of this year, and it would have to be like half done. You know what I mean? <laughs> like with with post day one DLC kind of patches as it went, which you know that's entirely possible because they are doing that style with with 76 now like you know obviously people weren't happy about um you know all the content in it like there's stuff that's being added to it as it goes and they might be really dumb and just take that business model and move it to the to this i hope they don't though it's not impossible like nothing's impossible but i i have such such a strong doubt that that game is coming yeah, in 2020 I'm, or 2019 or even 2020. I don't. Yeah, even 2020 feels like odd for an Elder Scrolls game, which are like they're huge. I mean, they're gigantic. And it's like it's not to say games. that like they've already been working on it. Like I think it's it, again, it's not impossible, but I think it's like the reality of the situation in my mind is regardless of how bad things are going for for Fallout 76, I don't think that that's going to mean that they're going to push forward. Uh, and potentially mess up another big project where it's like, like you mentioned Skyrim, like Skyrim is a game that they took six years to develop or seven years or whatever it was to develop. And they're still making money on it. 
Yeah. I mean, they, like, listen, like, 76 may not have get, gave them anything in return, let's say. Let's say it completely, like, didn't even give them a dollar, right? They still have the online game for Elder Scrolls. They still have the Legends card game. They still have Skyrim sales. They, they still have so many other things that are that are able to sell and keep their name afloat. It, it doesn't make sense that they would turn the entire company into this, like, oh, shit, we need to do this right now. Uh, like, I think they'd be fine otherwise. You know, they can wait. People are going to buy Elder Scrolls 6 yeah. whenever it comes I out. Think, I think, to to your point, though, seeing them accelerate the timeline, that might make sense. For they sure. Might, they I might can see that happening. That. That's possible. Yeah. I will say one thing that I do think is interesting, uh, or not even interesting, but I guess is what I'd like to see them do, is like, yo, leverage some of your other IP. Skyrim's not the only game you can re-release. If you put Fallout <laughs> New Vegas... Remastered. Well, they don't. They don't own New Vegas. They did like Obsidian. They still own it though. Like Obsidian developed. Oh right, right. Publishing rights and everything. So you know, it's like yeah. If if they did a a New Vegas port on Switch or like a a, a anywhere New Vegas remastered (laughs) that they put out on PS4 and Xbox and PC, and then you put the regular version on Switch, I think I think that would sell really fucking well. And I think you could. I still play New Vegas. I would. I would definitely pick it up and and actually beat it. So I don't know. I I think there's a lot of paths forward for Bethesda that don't involve them farting out Elder Scrolls 6 cuz like you got to think like they have Doom on the way there's another Wolfenstein like they have a lot yeah. in the pipeline that is going to change the narrative off of Fallout 76 Yeah it just happens to be that that's the latest thing and it was was not received well so people are refreshed with that One But that doesn't mean anything else is going to suck so Yeah uh, one last little thing I wanted to just touch on, because uh, I thought this was interesting. This is the only prediction that was made by two of the analysts, uh, is that there will be a new Switch model in 2019. Uh, mm. Dr. Toto from Canton Con- uh, or Canton Games uh, predicted that there will be a Switch Pro and Lite. That uh, in 2019, the Switch Pro, he says, while the 2019 Switch Pro has already been reported to be in development by the Wall Street Journal, I also think that they will offer a Switch Lite or just keep the current version at a lower price to cover the lower end of the spectrum and offset syncing 3DS sales. While, uh, where is the other one? Michael, who's the guy who made the other two reports that we mentioned, uh, he said that Nintendo will launch a fully handheld version of the Switch at $199. I expect the device to have the same screen, but with Joy-Cons built into the body and no docking station. Since it can't switch from handheld to console, it's hard to guess what they will call it, but let's assume Game Boy. Kidding. <laughs> mm. So uh, this is another one I am inclined to push back on. I definitely believe that a new Nintendo Switch is on the way, but I think I've made it clear on this and the other Nintendo podcasts that I do that I don't believe that's coming in 2019. I think we might see the announcement of it at like E3 or something like that, but I feel like that's a 2020 thing in my mind. What do you guys think about that? Do you think we'll see a new Switch in 2019? Sure. I think, I think again, the, some of these predictions to me are like, you know, a- anyone on earth could predict this. Like, why would they not want to push out another version of the Switch at a lower price point for people who, you know, let's say you're a parent and you want to get a, a, a console for your kid, but you don't want to pay whatever $300 so you get <clears throat> the, the the less expensive version of a console that everybody has. Or if you have multiple kids... Or if you have multiple kids, or you know, like what parents used to do with Game Boys, you buy, you get one for each of your your children. Yep. Um, 
that that's to me that's not a that's not a bold prediction on any level. In fact, I would I'd put money on that. For me, it's it's a timing thing. Like I, I don't think it's a bold prediction in the the fact that it's going to happen. I think it's a foregone conclusion that there will be another model of the switch. I think for me, it's just more a timing thing. I I feel like you know Nintendo in the first year of the switch couldn't keep the fucking thing on shelves and they finally have that worked out and they're discontinuing production on the nes and the snes classic and freeing up you know pipeline so that there can be more production resources put towards the switch so i think it seems like we're very much gearing up for it but i i just for whatever reason in my gut i don't feel like it's coming in 2019 i don't feel like it's going to be on shelves available for sale in 2019 I could be wrong, but you may be right. It's been two years since the Switch came out, though, and I think, like you said, they're keeping them on shelves now, which you know, you know, means probably a little bit of column A and that they're doing better with production, but also a little bit of column B and that a lot of people who want it have finally been able to get it. And I think they wanted to; they're going to want to diversify the the way that they can get more of these in the, in the hands of the people and I I don't see a reason why now is a worse time than later to make more money. The the other thing I'm thinking of too is they probably have fixed like obviously the production is better but like technology always gets better every year too. So like making a light version of it and a pro version of it shouldn't be like too hard to do on their end and selling it cheaper or like, I wouldn't say that it would make more sense for them to take the original model and sell it cheaper versus making, like, a light version of it. Just because, like, we know that, remember that the materials for it were a problem and stuff, and, like, technology gets better. So if they could find a way to go in there, you know, maybe move something around, you know, shrink this thing, add this thing, they could they could take the specs that they have currently, create a new model out of it for a cheaper cost on their end and for consumers. Well... They... they de- what? So I'm, so I'm looking at... I'm looking at the timeline for the original DS or for the 3DS rather. Yeah. And if if this trajectory is to be believed, then what you guys are saying might be spot on just because the original 3DS was released in 2011. The uh, Nintendo 3DS XL came out in 2012, the 2DS came out in 2013, the 3DS and uh, the new Nintendo 3DS and uh, XL both came out in 2014. Um and then the 2DS XL came out in 2017. So that was the only time where there wasn't a new model out that year. Yeah. I mean, so for me, it, it makes sense. Like, I would like to see a pro one, you know. I, I wouldn't mind picking one up if we wanted to, if families wanted to have multiple switches and there was just not enough mon- you know, money to go around right now. It makes sense that they could have a light version too. Um, both ends of that. I think are really sensible, especially by the end of this year, like for Christmas kind of thing, they could liquidate the old set, the switches off and, and release new ones, you know, then, and, and I've seen a million times with even like DSs and three DSs amongst friends and family and kind of stuff. It's like people might have them, but they'll get the new one usually if they yeah, really like they'll it. Upgrade. You know? So I don't see it being a problem for them. Like they're discontinuing, like you said, the NES and SNES minis and like, they feel like they made their money on them. That's fine. Um, really, what else would they have going on? Like, they're not making DSs in the same way that they used to. No, yeah, everything's like they're, going they're to the Switch down for sure. Like all things Nintendo are doing are pointing to the Switch eventually. Yeah. So, 
I, it makes sense for them, I think, to at least try to create a new model uh, that, you know, has both ends of it pulled away, you know, lighter and pro version. Um, the one thing you mentioned that was weird, they said a light version with, like, built-in Joy-Cons? That seems really ridiculous. No, see, that, Why can't they just... that I think is more likely. No, I just think, like, you should still be able to pull them off, you know, well, and use them. I think, I think it's I just, know. like, to make it cheaper. You know how much how much cheaper could it be having a metal bar on the side? Not be there? oh, I mean a lot. You know because you think about it like when you're making the actual switch, you're making the screen. You have to make the oh, joy cons. Yeah, yeah. You have to have the modular thing to switch switch them on and off. If you build it where it's just one solid unit with the buttons and everything built into one device, that's definitely going to be cheaper to produce. And even if it's even if it's saving fifty sixty bucks at retail, that's fifty sixty bucks. I just couldn't see it being that much, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I think, like, part of the Switch's idea of its, like, portability and mobility yeah. and everything, like, that that pulls away from that for me. Sure. Like, I don't care about it not being docked. That's the idea of the but light version. But to me, it's the same thing as the 2DS, right? Like, the 2DS got rid yeah, of the yeah, 3D. Yeah, and I think that was dumb. But they sold really well. Right, right. You know, and, so, like... I'm, I'm not saying it's not going to sell. I'm just saying, like, personally, I don't like that I, idea of the light version. I wouldn't buy it, but I think... For the scenario that Sean mentioned earlier for families, that makes way more sense. Like, it, especially if you already have one that docks. Like, if you're a multi-switch family yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh, we have the home switch that we use on the dock and we play Smash and whatever, but each of the kids wants their own and I don't want to buy three $300 consoles. All right, well, I'll buy $350 consoles, though. Did you know what's really wild? You have a Joy-Con built-in Switch Lite and you're doing it like you said. It's basically a Wii U tablet. Yeah. It's just better. Or, or, or a PS Vita. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's literally like the same idea, but just better now. So, I don't know. All right, so our last story this week is going to take us into our meat and potatoes discussion on uh, the problem of uh, digital libraries, more or less. So PC Gamers got an article up about uh, the fact that the Le- the Lego Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit are no longer available on Steam or uh, pretty much any other digital marketplace. So the uh, the original story reads as, as follows. If you were planning to take a trip to the Lego version of Middle-Earth, hopefully you snatched up Lego Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit when they were free on the Humble Store last month because both have now vanished from Steam along with other storefronts. Spotted by Reddit user Super Moonkey, Uh, The games are no longer available on any digital stores. They don't appear if you search on Steam, but the pages do still exist, though without the purchase option. Expired licenses are often the reason for games being delisted like this. It happened with Activision Spider-Man games, while Alan Wake was delisted because of its licensed soundtrack. Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment publishes the Lego games, while Warner Brothers itself licenses the film and video game rights from the Middle-Earth Enterprises. It's worth noting that other Middle-Earth games haven't vanished. Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor, for instance, are still available. Unlike Monolith's open-world games, the LEGO games are based on the films. The film and game rights are two separate things. And while Warner Bros. still has licenses for both, it's possible that it could have lost one. Or, I'm sorry, had licenses for both. It's possible it could have lost one. So if you already own either game, you'll still be able to play them, but make sure to activate your keys from Humble soon as they do expire, and the games may, re- or, and the games may reappear. Huh. Oh, okay. Huh. It's saying the games may reappear because Alan Wake's delisting, for example, was only temporary. 
So they were able to like renew the license and get it back up there. Uh, but then they got a update to the story where it says it doesn't look like other game is returning. Unfortunately, Warner Brothers has hasn't explained why the games have been delisted on digital stores, but did confirm with us that they are no longer available. Quote, Lego the Lord of the Rings and Lego the Hobbit will no longer be available in for sale in digital stores, said a Warner Bros. executive. Uh, these games will remain in players' libraries if they already own them. So I thought this was interesting an interesting story because I think this this ends up coming up every couple months where we have a conversation about this. And Sean is usually the first one to take the uh, the stance of like this is one of the problems with the digital only future, right? So my question is, should gamers be comfortable going digital only when things like this are a possibility, right? In this scenario, we see anybody who already bought the game is going to be able to hold on to it, and that shouldn't be a problem. But I guess I, I'm wondering, do you think that we're going to see this become or maintain uh, – I'm sorry. Do you think we're going to see this continue to be an issue moving forward? Because I think with some of these games, a lot of them are in this weird – kind of nebulous middle ground where like they were games that were released at a point where there wasn't a lot of future proofing thought put into video games you know games were made to be this piece of software that plays on this one piece of hardware and you can't buy it digitally you can only buy a physical copy so if you own the physical copy you own the game and you own it in perpetuity where now all those rules are changing and I think this is just the latest example of, of this ongoing discussion as we, we shift into a more and more digital future. I mean, I've, I've said many times that I think the digital future is <clears throat> uh, both imminent and very bleak. And I never understand the arguments against that because there are countless examples of the problems with that uh, being the way that things are going to be in the future. I mean, you look at this alone, right? Like, if you want to, if you want to have that experience with what? What do you say, Lego Harry Potter? Right? Yeah, um, that's the one I've been playing. This was like a Lord of the Rings and Lego the Hobbit. <clears throat> right? Yeah, with Lord of the Rings. Uh, well, guess what? If now you missed out, you can't. It's over for that. Uh, go find a copy somewhere. You know, um, which I'm sure are going to shoot up in class now. Exactly. Uh, there is a classic case of this being a problem with Marvel Ultimate Alliance, uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2. If you do not physically own that game, the odds of you being able to ever get it, like if you don't already have it, the odds of you being able to ever get it are very slim. It's so bad that you can't even get the DLC for that game anymore. And you haven't been able to for a very, very long time. Basically since like a year or two after it came out even. like. And there's no rhyme or reason for why that's the case. It just is. And it's extremely strange. That feels bad. Um, and it's And video games are a little bit different than other forms of entertainment because you, you still have a lot of people who by and large buy physical copies but when you look at other forms of entertainment where like uh for example music or um uh, films and, and television shows i think it's trending towards not maybe not most i think in in the case of music most people consume music either through a subscription service yeah. of some kind or you know whatever spotify i'd say that's definitely true for film <clears throat> and and tv as well 
there you go. So let's say that you, uh, I've had this personal experience with, with, um, Apple, with Apple, where I purchased music that was, um, I purchased like the, 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 the rated R version or whatever, cause it has explicit lyrics. And then months later it was changed to the clean version only with me not being able to find the, the dirty version. And I paid money for that music. And there's nothing I can do about it. I know for me the most uh, relevant example is um, the uh, the Scott Pilgrim video game that was available on Xbox 360. That game has a soundtrack that's done by a, uh, a chiptune band that I really like called Anamanaguchi. And there's been an issue with the music rights that's kept that off of digital storefronts for like like years and years and years. And we're at a point now that if you don't own it and have it downloaded on your Xbox 360 – there's no way to play it. There's no way to get a copy. There's no way to, to experience it at all. Right. And the reason why I brought up the difference between the way that games and, and other forms of entertainment are consumed is because as games trend more towards digital only, you're going to see even more problems like what I just described. Because what happens when the game developer or the publisher or whoever is aware that you can't get the game anywhere else and you're you're beholden to them and how they want to handle things and they decide, eh, you know what? Um we're gonna we're gonna make this this change or we're gonna take this game down or we're gonna do whatever we feel like doing. And if if you have it, tough. If you don't have it, tough. We don't care. It there there is no way to protect you, the player, in these scenarios. It just, you can't. I'm telling you that I had music that was changed by Apple for no rhyme or reason, and there's nothing I can do about it. Things like that happen all the time. Well, and on digital marketplaces, like specifically like Steam, at least, because they are, uh, you know, uh, <coughs> there are heavy DRM digital rights management rules on steam you don't own anything you don't own any of the games you pay for you're paying for a license to access the game that is allowed to be revoked from you at any point yeah so exactly you know no legal rights no and it can even be something simpler than that right like what like uh a great example is um and this hasn't happened yet but it, it always could like ea right like launched their origin series so every or uh not series their platform so every EA game is on Origin. However, there are a few EA games that were made available on Steam before that point. You know, like Dragon Age Origins or whatever, or like the first Mass Effect, I think, are both available on Steam. But the whole series isn't. So what happens if in five or ten years, whatever deal they came up with with Steam is up, and they're like, all right, we're taking it off Steam, and you're fucked. You know? They could do that. Will they? Probably not. But you have no recourse against it because you clicked agree. Yeah, and beyond even that, where else were you going to get it before it was digital? Because some people never had a chance to play Mass Effect or Dragon Age besides the PC, and maybe they got it on Steam because that was their first access to it. Well, and, and it if sucks you're for... a PC gamer, there is no physical disc. You can't buy a physical copy I mean. of Dragon Age and like That's protect what I'm your saying. copy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like personally, I bought everything I could uh, physically, but I remember going to the the you know GameStop and and just over time there wasn't any PC <laughs> games there. And it wasn't a matter of, like, I had another option. It was just like, fuck it, everything's digital now. I have to buy these this way. And if I had found any other way to buy them, I would have. Like, I physically get all my console games. I just 
can't with the computer. And it sucks knowing that like my last five years, mostly of my, my PC gaming career has just been, well, if it's gone, it's gone. Like it happened with, with other shit too. Like, uh, like the old Republic and it wasn't the best MMO, but I liked it. And then one day I went on and guess what? Everything's gone. And because somebody stole my shit, like, and I'm never getting it back. And I'm, and I had put money into that too. And like that fucking blows, you know, there was no recourse for it. I couldn't even, um, you know, be mad because it's like, yeah, it's an MMO and that's, that's straight digital only. And like, if someone steals your account and shit, like that's it. Um, it just sucks to know that like, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't a thing I dealt with when I was growing up. Um, and that's the the sign of the times too. Right. I mean, the times there, there are, so are many, changing. There are so many casualties that are going to happen along the way in this transition to digital that, like, I can't even think of all the bad things that could happen because there are so many weird technicalities with someone's license or someone's system or someone's, you know, software. Just so many nuances that could spark problems. Like, your Scott Pilgrim game has a chiptune artist, and that's why it's not there. And, like, that's not something I would have ever thought of, you know? Um, yeah, and right, like it, it speaks to the fact that they didn't either, because like that's the right, issue is a right. lot of these games were made with the expectation of like, well, this is a video game software and it's going to be released on this console and it's going to exist and that's that. And it's like you don't, yeah. they don't. A lot of these games are just not future proofed because what, like, especially these older games like the Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. Like the deal for that license was made in a pre-digital market environment. Yeah. You know? So the, so the good thing going forward is at least, you know, maybe we're more aware of it and, and some things are future proofed a little better. Yeah. And that's a benefit of the digital stuff. But at the same time, you could still lose everything at any given moment. You, you, you're only held to the good graces of the people that you signed on for, you know, and if, if at any given time they feel that it could be changed or taken away or whatever, it could happen. And, th- and that's just terrible to know, you know? Yeah. And it, it's funny because I don't, I also don't think that the alternative is is better. Like that, the uh, a, a totally like the non digital past is also problematic because look yeah, at how many games are that you're like, oh, I love this game and I want it. Like like Sean's example of Marvel Ultimate Alliance two. Until they did that re release of it on Steam, the only <coughs> way to get it was to pay like a hundred dollars for a copy or whatever, you know, or more than that. And I don't know that that's that's not good either. You know, it's like I, right. I don't I don't yeah. think that that there's a that one solution is totally better than the other. Because at the end of the day, like uh, the only reason that this digital stuff is so much of a problem is because the right stuff is so murky and like you have no control. But in the same breath, like if you want to go back and play the games of bygone eras, you're kind of looking at the same deal unless you are willing to go online and find a pirated copy that somebody took the time and effort to optimize for your PC or whatever, which doesn't work for every platform either. For decades, you couldn't play Sega Saturn games on on an emulator because it just wasn't doable. Um, so it, it is, it is complicated. It's really complicated and it speaks to why, uh, game preservation is such a thing that's important to me and why it's something I've, I've sung the importance of on this show in the past is that it's really easy to lose a game forever. And we don't, I don't think we realize that until they're gone. You know, how many, how many, uh, you know, this generation of game designers that's coming up now, how many of them grew up playing flash games that were huge hugely popular hugely innovative and meant so much to all these different now uh this new generation of of developers and and they're gone and we don't know what they were like and we have no way of saving them or holding on to them and you know this piece of our of our medium's history is just gone forever you know how many of the original cell phone games even if they were shit are totally gone and we just have no record of them and it's just it's just it you know yeah i think that's i think that's certainly valid um 
when it comes to the the question of you know physical only versus digital only i don't think that that's reasonable because <clears throat> we all know and and it's a well-told story the problems with with physical only digital came out as a supplementary option more and more it's not just an option it's the way it is that's what scares me yeah it being the standard there will never be a time in my life where i'm choosing digital over physical it'll it's just never gonna happen because preach (laughs) because I, i i've seen far too often how bad that can go look I'm, I'll keep this short. I watch a lot of wrestling on the WWE Network, okay? I used to tape a lot of wrestling when I was a kid because I always thought, well, one day I want to go back and watch these old matches that, you know, there's there was no network when I was 14. So right. that was what I was thinking about. I can't even count the amount of times that I have watched content on the network that is altered from the original version. Sure. It happens all the time. It's a lot more difficult to alter content in a video game because that requires development time and stuff like that, I would imagine. But to cut content, why Why not? If <clears throat> Rockstar changes their minds and they release GTA 3 again, but all of a sudden you can't, there, there's no blood. Or you can't or run the, people the music's over with all different. car. Or the music's all different. That's not the same game. Yeah. It's not the same game. And I don't want to play the neutered version of a game because of a rights issue or because the publishers aren't the same people that they were 20 years ago or whatever. I don't want that. But that's what's going to happen. And you're not going to be able to do anything about it. Look at a game like Crazy Taxi, right? Like, to me, the only real version of Crazy Taxi is the original version that has the offspring as the soundtrack. That's Crazy Taxi. (laughs) And they did a re-release of it a couple years ago with, like, generic music to replace it because they didn't want to pay the license for the Offspring's music. And to me, it's like, well, that's not Crazy Taxi then. If I can't fucking run people down while listening to the Offspring, it's not Crazy Taxi. Period. It's a different game. Yeah. Or, or like, it's just it's a neutered version. You know? It's yeah. like, oh, okay, cool. Give me Pokemon without Masuda's soundtrack. No, thank you. <laughs> it's part of the package. Yeah, yeah. Sound design sometimes can make the game, even if you don't realize it, you know? And... Something like that, like you, Pete. Your first thing was saying it's the offspring for you, you know. Like that's the thing. I love that that's game. the most iconic thing about it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I love the game, but like, I never even, I didn't give a shit. It was them, you know. Sure. <laughs> so like, so like, I'm just, I'm. It's it's cool for me, you know, to see that, like, you know, that that's the aspect of it you pulled out of it, and it's, you know, obviously different. I never put two and two together because I never really listened to them. But like, yeah, I I wouldn't want the music to be different. Like, I wouldn't want to go back to Tony Hawk games and have the whole soundtrack different because I remember the soundtracks for the game. Oh my god! You know? With Tony Hawk, it's like it's uh, it's totally you can't have one without the other. The music is such a big part right. of Tony Hawk. You know, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Those soundtracks are like so so lit. And it's even, like, old, old, like, Madden games and stuff like that. Like, I'm sure that's the reason they never do re-releases of Madden and stuff like that. Because there's all these license issues that, like, they just don't want to deal with. Well, they also put out a new one every single year. so it would, Yeah, it but you got to imagine that there's some nostalgia for older versions, you know? Because, like, there's stuff that gets lost in translation over time, you know? To a degree. I, I, would, I, would, I would feel very strange about a re-release of a wrestling game 
when they put out new ones every year, especially since people are nostalgic for the old ones. Oh, so, that's like, the you... thing, though. I would love that if they did a re-release of the like that those like three really good ones that were on N sixty four, all in that that's same different. engine. That's different because those games those games aren't like I'm, I'm talking about like if they re-released Wrestle or SmackDown vs Raw two thousand and eight. Okay. Oh, like a series yeah. right. thing. Yeah. yeah I, okay. Still though, honest. Like if they did, uh, if they did, what was the one on PS2? Here comes the pain. Is that the blue one with Lesnar on the cover? Holy shit! Oh I'd my play god, the that was fuck so cool. Out of that if they re-released Smack, like SmackDown versus Raw, here comes the pain. Let's go. Yeah, and but even then, it gets into like, well, do you have the rights to use the body of no, a wrestler not. who's not anymore there? You know, and, like maybe they do because it's the WWE and like for all the things that like. The, the, the WWE is, like, shitty about it in a lot of ways, but they're very <clears throat> smart in terms of, like, they protect their IP and, like, their connection to names and brands and all that stuff. So, like, that stuff's probably fine. I think it'd be more, like, the music and, like, oh, a, a lot of that extra bells and whistles shit. I, I promise you they can't use the wrestlers. Like who? I, I, I guarantee you. And any wrestler who's not there anymore who didn't sign a Legends contract. That's actually specifically the oh, reason. Oh, that's how it works? Yeah, they signed you okay. to a Legends contract so that they can use your likeness in games or whatever. That's okay. how when you play the games, they have certain Legends and not others because they can't use them all. Okay, because I thought – because I because I, I remember there being an issue a couple years ago where like when, when uh, The Rock first started acting – like, people would bill him as, like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and then, like, he wasn't allowed to do that anymore because the WWE owned the rights to, like, the character The Rock, you know? Actually, that's a that's a miss. That's, like, not totally true. Yeah. Okay. He, he deliberately didn't want to be known as The Rock anymore and his people uh, because okay. he was trying to... Do his own thing. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But just to take it back to the main topic real fast... We talked a lot about how this affects old games and old content, but I think what worries me so much is not just the old, but the new, because there is going to be a time when you play a game that is new, that you really love, that has great music or something about it that's unique or special to you, and down the road, they change that because the rights to the music expired. Or because they don't want to, they don't want a certain aspect of that game to be the way it is anymore. And instead of making a new game in that in that genre or whatever in that space, they alter the one that already exists. I guarantee you that that will happen one day, and that people are not gonna have an alternative because that's the only version of the game that's out. I mean, you can even say that, like, you can point to examples of that that's already happened, right? Like something yeah. like like uh, like you play World of Warcraft, right? Like. How many people have been oh. clamoring for legacy servers because they want a version of the game that doesn't exist anymore, you know? And I think, like, Fortnite is a great example. Fortnite's map changes every season. <clears throat> so if you're somebody who is playing in season one or two and you're like, man, that's really my Fortnite, like, well, that, that game doesn't exist anymore. I would like to suggest also something like Stellaris is an interesting example where you can balance the two, right? So, like, every time there's a huge patch for it, like, when it hit 2.0, it, it totally changes the way the game is played. And then with the 2.2 update it added entirely new facets to the game. And, like, I've played Solaris long enough to know that, like, there are basically, like, three different games in there at this point. You know, the way that they're played, how you how you excel at, like, doing what you're supposed to do in that game, it, it's entirely different. It's not like a meta, even. It's just, like, the way the game is played is fundamentally changed. But 
they always offer an option to roll back to a different date, to a different patch, to a different thing. I like that. So, like, at least saying, hey, you know, we're definitely trying to make this game what we want it to be, and maybe our vision changes over time, because it does. Um, you know, that is what they go for. But at the same time, you know, they know that someone's not going to be happy, and they'll give them the option. You can, at any given time, just say, well, I want to play patch like 1.6 or whatever. That's the Stellaris you remember, you know? And Paradox games in general are, like, here's a game... And what it will be in, in a year or two is probably not what the game was originally. Like, the core mechanics will be there, but how to actually engage with it is is entirely different. Like, you can't play original Crusader Kings, like, when it first came out, and then go three, four years later and play it and say that there's almost anything similar. Other than, like, yeah, you're playing in this time frame. That's, a, that's like, it at this point. So that's a nice compromise, at least. Like, you know, unfortunately, like, Sometimes I think the game is good, and then, you know, like, I like this the way it is, and then it goes, and eventually I, I, I tend to like everything they do. But there are a lot of times I'm, like, very trepidatious about this, and, like, damn it, I just learned how to play the game again, and you fucking changed it. So that's really infuriating sometimes. So, yeah, I think... I think... This is, this is an issue that I think is going to continue to grow and change and evolve as video games do, you know, and as we have new platforms and new distribution systems and gamers have different expectations, hopefully this, this problem will eventually become a thing of the past and we won't have to worry about, um, about these rights issues and stuff like that. But I think the, the thing that Sean is pointing out about the nature of games as sort of living documents is, uh, is going to make it so that the the simplicity of the past of buying a game and owning it and and that's it is is just that a thing of the past so you know it remains to be seen exactly how all this is going to continue to evolve but i think uh it's it's certainly one of the more interesting challenges that video games are facing in in the modern era and uh it's going to be interesting to see where we are in another generation or two because I think we've already seen a lot of change that we never could have predicted. Yeah, man, I'm a relic at this point, and I could never have thought we'd be where we are right now. No. Uh, for good, for better and worse, you know? Yep. there are. It's just I am consistently amazed that where things are. That just blows me away, you know? I'm humbled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm frustrated. <laughs> I'm, I'm frustrated too, don't get me wrong, but... <laughs> I'm trying to be optimistic. 2019. Uh, new year, new me. <laughs> eh. <laughs> All right. So if you guys want to let us know what you think about uh, this issue and, you know, the prospect of a uh, digital-only future or, or, you know, the the issue of, of, of games of constantly evolving and all those sorts of things, please write in and let us know what you think by hitting us up at thevideogamepals at gmail.com, following us at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold, or, uh, you know, just getting in touch by in the comments down below, any of the other ways that you know you can get in touch with us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and hear what you're thinking about this about this issue. So uh, before we bounce out of here, um, remember, go check out our uh, – Comics Files versus the Longbox uh, Smash videos. They should be airing this week as well, so keep your eyes open for those. And, uh, you know, let's get into some plugs. Sean? Cool. So, uh, if you want more from me, I am on the Comics Pals, of course, uh, this week. In addition to reviewing 
Heroes in Crisis number four. Uh, yeah. We also talked about a uh, big big problem that a friend of ours, Dirk Manning, who is a horror comic book writer, is having with Black Mirror and Bandersnatch. Um, so a hot button issue where he feels that he has been stolen from. So cool little uh, story there, and lots more Batman talk. <clears throat> Marvel talk, all that good stuff. If you're a fan of comics on any level, you're going to want to listen to the Comics Pals. And then if you want me on social media, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at Sean Soapbox. Thompson? I'm at Relic Vampire on Twitter, and I also do Pals Play with Pete, even though I've been sick. I promise it'll get done. <laughs> it's coming back. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just happened to be the worst timing. Um, but yeah, for 2019, we got some fun things planned. We got some some nice little surprises and uh you know hopefully we can shed some light on the dark future that seems to be <laughs> yeah no uh 2019 is the year of light don't worry about it <laughs> so if you want to connect with me i'm at loud underscore pete on twitter and instagram come talk to me about this or any other episode of the video game pals uh, you can also find me on the Comics Pals with Sean, Pals Play with Thompson, and you can find more of my work over at LootPots.com, where I'm the host of our weekly Nintendo podcast, The Potscast, and uh, I do reviews and news and all that stuff. Uh, I've got some some stuff cooking that should be out uh, while I'm away for vacation uh, for the next two weeks. So uh, wish these boys luck as they hold down the fort while I'm away soaking up some sun in beautiful Mexico. Uh, I will miss you all dearly, and uh, I'm looking forward to rejoining you at the end of January. So I hope you enjoy the next two weeks without me. I love you very much. We'll see you next time on the next episode of The Video Game Pals. Take care, I believe these words came from the Pokemon movie. Life can be a challenge. Life can seem impossible. It's never easy when there's so much on the line. But you and I can make a difference.